You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 10. We're double digit, baby. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Touch of Flavor. On today's episode, we're going to answer your questions, including what are the best products for pegging and packing? Which partners get the boot when you're polysaturated? What the fuck do you do when your girlfriend keeps having sex with your best friends? And how do you tell a date what you're into without being called a pervert? We'll answer those questions and more. If you'd like to send in your question, you can go to atouchofflavor.com forward slash ask. That's atouchofflavor.com forward slash ask and fill in the form. Or you can call our voicemail line at 833 833- ask tof1 that's 833 ask tof1 and you can leave us a voicemail and if we pick your question we will play your voicemail on air and answer it on air thank you guys for listening all right you're gonna be the first why are you laughing at me <laughs> we're double digits we're double digits baby mm. all right all right the first question is from elena from pennsylvania what brand of harness do you wear for pegging that can also be used for packing and are there any good dildos that work for both? Okay, I think the first thing we should do is explain some of the terms here for people who may not know. So pegging is when a female person, specifically a female person, um, fucks a male with a strap on anally. In the butt, anally. That is that is specifically what pegging refers to. I think the term was coined by Dan Savage during a contest years ago. So that's pegging. Packing is uh, when somebody, usually a female-bodied person, um, wears a cock around under their clothes, uh, more you know, essentially like they have a penis, um, but isn't necessarily using it. it. May just be like going out to the store or something like that. And there are actually dildos made specifically for packing as well. And. One thing I will say is that the dildos that are for packing are not necessarily good for pegging or fucking in general. Um, a lot of times they they are flaccid. Uh, they're, they're soft. Floppy. They're floppy. Um, and it's not necessarily that something that you're going to be able to use for pegging or any kind of sex. That being said, there are some dildos that are versatile and can be worn for packing. Um, and one of the ones that I like is Vickskin. Um, they are soft on the outside, so you can bend them and shove them down in some underwear, but they're also inside, uh, they have sort of a base inside that is a little bit more firm. So you can still use it for pegging or sex. So that would be the type of dildo I would recommend. Uh, we did review um, the Tannis Pack and Play a while while back, and that's a good one as well, but it's more for short-term packing, like if you're packing with the intent of fucking soon, because it's a little bit more firmer and will get uncomfortable pretty quickly. Yeah, I can link to that in the show notes at touchflavor.com forward slash 010010 for all the show notes for today. Um, I'll link that review there. So... Uh, 
dildos, like you said, um, the the Vic skins, the pack and play. If you're going to be doing packing longer term, and it's not necessarily something that you're going to be using, you know, immediately. Uh, well, or using it all, I mean, is, is more what I should say. If you're using it to have the experience of wearing a penis throughout the day and the experience of being a penis owner versus using it for sex, you can always switch out your cocks. You can get one that's, you know, a hard cock and a, and a soft cock and wear the soft cock all the time and just pull them and put the right one on when you need it. Um, but if it's going to be something that's long term, you want to have something that's soft because a hard cock in your pants all day long gets annoying. Right, Rigel? I mean... Maybe. <laughs> I'm picking on you because I'm saying even as a as a guy, if you have a hard penis and you're walking around with it all day, it's going to start being it gets uncomfortable. And mine doesn't have a piece of metal down the middle of it. So yeah. Um, and and also you know the the ones that aren't designed for packing have a tendency to really pop out. It's like walking around with a gigantic boner that doesn't really bend very much in your pants. And especially since women tend to wear tighter pants, you know that can get very very obvious. Um, I think you actually had an experience wearing one around where you were convinced everybody was looking at your cock, even though they weren't probably. Yeah, I wore my Vic skin actually with the harness that we're going to recommend. And it's actually one of my favorite harnesses, but I wore the spare parts and the Vic skin and we went out to a, 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 a dinner theater and it was kind of, for me, I felt like everybody could see my penis and you and our other partner were like, no, you really can't see it. And I'm like, I have a hard cock. I know other people can see it. But it was it was really fun. And if you've never packed before, I strongly recommend it because after getting over the awkwardness, I was like, I love having a cock between my legs. This is awesome. But again, if you're going to be packing long period of time, uh, dildo wise, get, get one specifically designed for that. The, they're flaccid. We're actually going to have to do some research and I'll link in the show notes for you. Um and, you know, if you're one, one that you can pack for a little while and then use, Vic Skins is a good one as well. And we'll link those. Um, harnesses. So, as I said, the spare parts harness is one of my favorites. The design of the spare parts is usually more like... It doesn't look like any other harness. It doesn't. It looks more like underwear. It's so, fabric as opposed to leather. Um, yeah, it really and it really straps on a lot more like a jock strap almost or a... Yeah, like boy underwear. Um, and so it's not the most prettiest thing ever. Um, they have different shapes and things like that, but all of them are pretty much looks like underwear. However, they are extremely versatile and awesome for any kind of strap awning. First of all, if you want to be able to use something like the Fieldo, where you have a, a double ended, uh, dong, the spare parts allows for that but it also allows for you to be able to use other dongs as well. So it's it's really good for just all kinds of dildos. Yeah, not and I don't mind the way the spare parts looks. I think it looks cool. Um if not as nifty as like you know like the leather tanis one with the spider web on the front, but I think they look fine. Like Cassie was saying, so as as far as one of the great things about spare parts is that it does allow you to double into deal dildos like the Fieldo, which is made by Tanis now I think or the Share. I don't remember who makes the share, but that's another popular one. Um, and most harnesses, because they have a solid back behind the ring that you put the dong in, don't allow you to do that. Spare parts is one of the only one. They're also, from a stability perspective, I think the most stable. Uh, you'd probably have more input on that than me. but Yeah, so a lot of the other strap-ons, as much as I love the way they look, things like that, if you get really vigorous 
and are doing a pounding session, uh, things slip, they don't hold up as well, uh, things tend to shift, and the spare parts is really good at being able to keep a hold of the dildo no matter how you move. So you can be a little bit more aggressive with your fucking than you can with others. And I think it's also good for packing too, because a regular harness, putting it under your clothes, you're going to have like stiff leather pieces under your clothes. Some parts of which are probably going to want to pop out of the top of your pants, you know? Oh, it's great for packing because it also feels more like underwear too, because of the fabric aspect of it. So it's something that you can slide on underneath your pants and not really even remember that it's still there. So spare parts harness, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Jock uh, is, I think is the one that you have that we usually recommend to people. Yeah. Although there are different models available um, and they fit all sizes of people. So uh, spare parts, uh, like I said, show notes at touchflavor.com forward slash zero one zero. And you can take a look and, and get links to that stuff there. Our next message is from, I believe this name's pronounced Keith. I'm wondering if it's a Keith and the H is missing. Anyways, what is the best way to get my girlfriend, who is already somewhat dominant, to be my mistress and or punish me? So I, I think there's a few parts to this. Um, first, I think let's start out with the question of when you say your girlfriend's already somewhat dominant, the first question is, are you saying she's already dominant uh, from a power exchange standpoint, or are you saying that she just has a dominant personality and she's dominant in the relationship? From the way you ask this question, I'm getting the impression that you mean that she's just dominant in the relationship. Um, and you know, if, if she's not in a power exchange, I think the first thing you need to do is find out if she's even interested. You can't go assuming just cause she has a dominant personality in everyday life that she's going to want to be dominant in the bedroom or in power exchange. A lot of people who are dominant in their regular lives, you know, their their work and things like that, don't want to be in control in the bedroom or at, in a power exchange type relationship. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, you know, just using myself as an example, I have a very, I have, a, you know, somewhat of an aggressive personality outside of the bedroom. I have a job that's very, like, requires alpha personality, and I'm telling people what to do a lot and, and things along those lines. And, you know, personally, um, I do bottom and I do top as well. So I switch, but I don't like to be in control in a power exchange relationship. That's not my thing. Like, I don't want to be in control of you outside of a scene. So you can't assume just because somebody has a dominant personality that they're going to be interested in a power exchange relationship. So the first thing you need to do is find out if she's interested. What are some ways to go about that? Well, I would say first try stuff in the bedroom and when you're trying stuff in the bedroom, you know, ask to be tied up, uh, maybe ask to get spanked, that sort of thing. Just sort of bring kink into it, especially if you guys are not doing kink already and see how that goes. That can kind of be a good indicator if somebody is a top. Uh, but again, that's not going to show necessarily if she's interested in a power exchange. You might want to, once you're starting to do those things, add in things like, can you tell me how to please you? Tell me what to do. And you can start gauging that because if she's really getting into telling you what to do in the bedroom, it might be something that you'll easily be able to kind of pull out of the bedroom, but it's still going to require a conversation. And uh, that would be the way I would start it is start asking those questions. 
Yeah. So do that. And, and at the point, I think, where you're, if she has been interested in her doing all this stuff, you know, because you may want to lead off with certain things like just asking questions, erotic or things to even see if she's interested in trying to get things going in the bedroom. Once you've found that out, though, and you're to the point where you're wondering about taking it outside of the bedroom into a power exchange relationship, I think you're at a point where you can really sit down and have a conversation without worrying about being embarrassed or her freaking out or anything along those lines. You know, just be aware the answer to the conversation might be no. She might not be interested. If she is interested and that is something that you guys want to pursue, I recommend that you learn more about power exchange uh, when you're trying to do it. And the best way to do that is to get involved in the community, in your area. You can go and you can find groups. MAST is a great one, Masters and Slaves Together. Uh, or, you know, an educational group in your area that has maybe a special interest group that is focuses on power exchange specifically. And you can find other people who live that lifestyle. And that's going to be the best way for you to really learn about it and, you know, make sure you're doing everything in a healthy way and kind of get into things and progress along those lines. Um, we can link to MAST in the show notes as well. And, uh, you know, and, and besides short of master, there's not a mass chapter in your area. Go ahead, look around, just, you know, go out to some of the other groups in your area, ask around and you'll find out if there's anything in your area that focuses specifically on power exchange. And one thing I will say is you use the word punish in your message and I would lean away from that, especially if you're looking for a real power exchange type relationship. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of time people confuse play with punish in the power exchange community. Punish really has the definition of you did something wrong. So now you're being punished for it. If and it's, it's to correct your behavior. It's not for fun. Yeah. And it's usually not intended to be fun at all. And it's also usually has sort of that negative condensation to it. That's like, you are bad. You did this. Um, and if you continue to do things to be punished, that's going to affect your your power exchange very negatively. Now, if you guys are trying to do something that's like play and what you're really looking for is sort of a being bratty and, and playful sort of relationship where you can get punished, that's fine. But if you're looking for a power exchange relationship and are looking also for play, it's better to negotiate play and the relationship. So that way, you know, you can get your ass beat, but it's not a punishment. So we have Dan, age 52, from Ohio. He said, found your new podcast, if you don't mind me starting with a geeky question. The sound quality is fantastic. Tell me what equipment you guys are using. This all falls on me, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. I have no idea what we use. I just sit here and talk. So, I mean, you know, it's a newer podcast and we're still learning and I appreciate that you like the sound quality because we, it is it is very much a learning process. But as far as technology, um, so microphones, we use uh, AT2100 microphones, Audio-Technica 2100 microphones, which are honestly not that expensive, but they're very good quality. Um, so we use those. We are, at one point we were recording through a sound mixer, but right now that, that wasn't so great for our, our process. So right now we're recording right into a Zoom H5 recorder. And then, uh, I, I do all our editing and stuff in Logic, and I kind of process the audio with Auphonic, which is just great for anything. It really does a lot of the processing work for you without you having to know as much about it, <laughs> which is fantastic for me because I'm not an audio engineer. Um, so that's what we're using. And when we we remote interview people remotely, we use right now um, something called Zencaster. Zencaster, which, you know, lets us record their audio from there. And instead of trying to record it 
through Skype. So that's what we're using right now. It's an ever-changing process. Like we just had to add shock mounts to the the, the microphones because I have a tendency to talk with my hands and smack the stand. Uh, so it is changing, but that is what we're using right now. Our next question is from somebody who's anonymous. And they sent in, if you were dating a bunch of people and find out that you're polysaturated, what characteristics should you use to rank your males and decide which one or ones to keep? And, you know, I, I know it says males, but this isn't really a gender specific question, to be honest with you. So I guess the first question here is what is polysaturated? So polysaturated is when you are a poly person and you have reached your limit of taking on new relationships. And you can be polysaturated with even just in a, uh, a monogamous group. Um, I mean, you can be polysaturated with one other partner. Or you um, could be polysaturated by yourself. Not able to take on any more relationships. Yeah, depending on what you have going on in your life and those kinds of things. So, you know, I, I think the first thing about your question is ideally, you don't want to wind up in a situation where you are polysaturated to the point where you have to be deciding to get rid of partners. You know, ideally, you want to be aware enough so that before you take on a new partner, you realize that you're polysaturated and you make the decision not to add any more people to the relationships. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough energy. And you make that decision beforehand, before you add in somebody and get to the point where now you've got to worry about cutting people because you don't have enough time and, and energy to go around anymore. And I think this is a very common problem that happens with new poly people because they're they decide they're poly and they're like, I want to date all the peoples. I want to do all the things. And then it hits them very quickly of, oh my goodness, there's so much, too much. I can't handle it. So I would recommend to people who are new poly people to add in relationships gradually and be very self-aware as you're moving forward of, is this something I can handle? Is this too much? That sort of thing. So that way you don't find yourself in that position because it's a very common position for people who are just starting out. Like I said, that's ideal. You can wind up in a situation, you know, whether through life changes or, or just because you didn't realize it was going to happen beforehand, or maybe some relationships are growing and changing, requiring more time and energy. You can wind up in a situation where, you know, you are polysaturated. Now you have uh, more partners than you can reasonably support. And I think at that point, you've got some pretty hard decisions to make. Yeah. And it's not so much a ranking. I don't really like the word ranking of your partners as much as a evaluation of the relationships that you have with certain people and what relationships are the most fulfilling and the relationships that meet the majority of your needs. You're going to have to look at those relationships and sort of decide which relationships are the most valuable to you. And that might be hard. It's going to be a struggle, but evaluating which of those relationships is going to be, I guess, the one that you're going to miss the most or, or what you're going to miss the least. least. Yeah. And that's going to be different for everybody. There's going to be a different evaluation for each person. Yeah. And, what those things are. and I think, you know, if you're finding yourself in this situation, you know, you may, before you make the decision to get rid of a relationship, to really evaluate if there's any changes you can make to your relationships that you're willing to make to make things work out. Um, you know, because, I mean, talking about cutting a relationship, that's, I mean, if, first of all, if a relationship isn't working, you know, I mean, honestly, if a relationship's not working, it's not fulfilling you, 
you know, that's something that you probably should be looking to, to cut out anyways. And if it's something where it's, it's just fun and you know, it, it, maybe you don't care that much about it. You know, it's not really fulfilling you that much. It's not really something you care that much about keeping, uh, you know, then maybe making a decision, to get rid of that relationship is no big deal. But if you, if you're trying to make the decision between relationships that are fulfilling to you, you know, that can be a very difficult thing. And it's, it's, going to be difficult both for you and that other partner to cut what's a filling relationship that's meeting your needs, uh, you know, just because just you don't have the time or energy to manage it anymore. So I think that if you're in that situation where you really care about the relationships that you have and you're, you're having to think about getting rid of one of those, you may need to really look at if there's any any other options you can pursue before uh, before just making the decision to cut an otherwise working relationship. you have any suggestions for that? Um you know, if it's something that is, I don't have enough time, maybe evaluating how much time you're spending in each type of relationship, maybe transforming that relationship into something that you're not spending as much time with. If it's like each partner gets two days out of my week, maybe seeing if one partner's okay, only getting together once a week. And that's just like a small recommendation, but just looking at the relationships as far as time, energy, those sort of things, and seeing if there's any way that you can sort of flex it in a different direction so that way you have the ability to keep the relationships that you want to be able to keep. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily just have to look in your relationships. I mean, why, you know, why did you become polysaturated? I mean, it could be something, maybe it's in your personal life. Maybe, you know, there's some big time suck in your personal life that you can do something about. Or maybe your job has become very stressful and you don't have enough emotional energy. And maybe you can take some steps, uh, you know, as far as your job goes to make that you know, less stressful so that you have more emotional energy to spread out in your relationships. All I'm saying, you know, and it's going to be very, very dependent on your relationships. All that I'm saying is if you're at that point where you already have formed these relationships and it's, it's not, it's, it's the relationship that's filling you and that's important to you. And it's not something that you can just, you know, really cut without, uh, too much of a, a care, I guess, on your part and the other partner's part. Um, you know, I, I think that before just dumping a relationship, that's, good for you and good for the other person. You should really examine if there's any other options that you have to make that work first. All right. So the next question is from Lee from Ohio. Help. My girlfriend keeps having sex with my best friends. We are poly, but what the fuck? What do I do? Okay. Well, first and foremost, having sex with friends isn't a problem in and of itself. Um, I mean, we have sex with our friends. I think most of the people that we have sex with who are not dating fall into the friend category. I think most poly kinky people who are open tend to have sex with their friends. Yeah, I think it's very common. So uh, really with this question, I think before you start getting really hyper and are like, what the fuck, my girlfriend is evaluating if this is a problem like her sleeping with your friends. Is it really a problem or is this something that's just squicking you out because she's sleeping with your friend that you've been friends with since second grade? Um, really evaluating whether or not it's a squick factor or if it's causing some sort of relationship issues between you and your friends. Maybe it's your friend can't handle it or there is not real good established boundaries and your friends are coming back talking to you about what your girlfriend is getting down dirty and gritty with them and, and those kind of activities that you don't want to hear. So really figuring out if it's a problem and 
if it is a problem, what the problem is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of the cases where where it would be really a a legitimate problem outside of of being like a squick factor. I mean, you know, like she, like you said, maybe maybe the friends can't handle it. They don't know how to act about it. They're acting weird around you now, or or they're coming back and, and giving you too much information. Or I mean, what else do you think? I think it depends on the friends and the friends relationships. Also, like if your friends happen to also be your coworkers and they're coming back to your work and talking about those things in inappropriate places, or even if they're not your coworkers, but are going out to a club with a bunch of your friends that may not be poly and may not understand your relationship. And they're blabbing about how they're doing stuff with your girlfriend. I can see where it could have serious problems, But if it's not that case, then it's just a squick factor. Going to your girlfriend and explaining that it's something that is bothering you because it just feels funky, it doesn't feel good, is a good thing. Letting her know so that maybe you guys can create some boundaries around how much information she's telling you about it or how much information your friends are coming back and telling you uh, and making yourself be able to deal with it a little bit better without having to hear about it or other ways of going about it so that way it doesn't affect you as much. I don't mean to downplay you being, if if it is you being squicked, right? Because there's nothing wrong with having feelings. It's not that your feelings aren't valid or that you shouldn't talk to your girlfriend about them. It's just, it's going, or should at least, play into how you're handling it, right? So I I think that's a long and short. Like I said, I don't think there ever, even if you do decide it's just a feeling, I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with talking to your girlfriend about it and, and asking, you know, what she's willing to take. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe she ask her if she's willing to not date your friends. I don't think there's a problem necessarily with doing that, although I would be very I'm I always try and personally be very cautious about trying to get other people to take steps purely based on my feelings. Um, but I mean, I don't again, if you both agree to it, I mean, if you talk about it, you both agree to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I I do think that you should be very cautious about approaching it in a way of where she owes you some kind of action because of your feelings on the thing. It's okay to make a request. It starts getting iffy when it's a demand. It's the request between, yeah, it's, it's the difference between a request and a demand or a request and an expectation. Now, if it is causing issues, um, then I think it's it's important to sit down with your girlfriend and talk to her about it. But you need to talk about what specifically the problem is and how to solve it, I think, instead of just being like, I don't like it. You need to stop dating my friends. Yeah. For example, if it's something like uh, your friends blabbing it in inappropriate places, having the conversation with her that she needs to have the conversations with the people she's having sex with about what is okay and what is not okay. Those sort of things. So that way it's spelled out kind of very clearly as to what needs to be handled versus I just don't like it. I just don't want it and leaving it open for interpretation and arguments later. All right, so our next question is from Mark. Mark says, I am new to this lifestyle. I know that my direction is a male dom. How do I ask for a date and say that this is what I'm looking for? Do I just come right out and say it? I expect there would be a number of horrified expressions and possible calls the police about the pervert if I did. But I have to admit that an adventure with an accepting woman would be a dream come true. What do I do? My first part of my answer to this would be that If you're worried that if you bring up what you want to somebody and they're going to call you a pervert and call the police, you're probably looking in the wrong places. You're talking to the wrong people to begin with. You're talking to the wrong people to begin with. If you look at like a lot of the older advice that's written 
books like SM101, which is a great book, but you know, it, it was written in a bit of a different time. And if you look at things like that, you'll see a lot of advice on how to go out into the vanilla world and, you know, try and find a partner and then how you can try and work around seeing if maybe they'd be interested in kink and introducing things slowly and things like that. You know, but the thing is, this was before the time of fat life and social groups and there being, you know, mantras all over the place and venues everywhere and you know, websites, dating, dating websites that are friendly to going on and talking about kinks and has, has kink related questions and, you know, all the things and opportunities that we have now. And generally what we recommend now is it's one thing if you are already dating somebody or you're already with somebody and it's, a you know, somebody you care about and you're figuring out that you're kinky and you want to try and maintain that relationship, then yeah, certainly, you know, there's a bunch of steps you can take to try and introduce kink into that existing relationship. But if you're realizing you're kinky and you're looking for a new relationship, we don't recommend at all looking uh, looking in the vanilla world because the fact of the matter is you're going to have a much easier time looking for a kinky person in the kink world. If you are looking for a kinky person, you're not going to run into the problem of, oh my gosh, your kinks are these horrible things I need to call the police, you're going to get either one reaction, which is awesome. I'd be down for that. Or I'm not interested. One, the other thing with all that too, is you're also not going to run the risk of wasting a bunch of time dating this person and going out with them and getting to a point where you're finally, you know, at a point where you're comfortable bringing up kink. And then you find out they're not interested and you just invested all this time into a relationship that you're now not going to maintain because of it. Or, you are going to maintain it even though it's not fulfilling your needs because you're already knee deep into it at that point. Yeah. So it's good to go out and actually looking for someone that's kinky. Uh, and as you said, one of the best ways is getting out into your community, doing that. Um, another way is online dating and being skillful at figuring out who kinky people are and um, looking for people who have those interests. Yeah. So as far as looking in person, and we actually have, I have a whole article that I wrote a while back called You're Not Alone Finding a Kinky Partner that I will link to in the show notes. Again, that's atouchesflavor.com forward slash zero one zero. But, you know, very, very short version is you want to get involved in the community in your area. FetLife is a great place to start. You can get on FetLife. It's not a dating site, but it is a very good place to find groups in your area. Um, you're in Ohio. Oh, no, you're not. No, sorry. I got mixed up with some of the other people in Ohio. Um, but Regardless, you know, you get on there, you go to your area, you can look for uh, look for things that are going on in your area. And we actually have a little bit about how to do that. We go into a little more detail on our last episode, episode uh, 009, um, that I'll link to. But you go on there, find the groups in your area, get out, get involved. You know, A, you're going to meet kinky people. And, you know, a lot of those people are single, maybe not single necessarily, but, you know, looking for other partners. And you're going to be able to find people who are compatible with you you know, in your area. But, but furthermore, the more that you go out and you meet people and you make kinky friends, they've got other kinky friends. And, you know, the fact of the matter is one of the most prevalent ways of meeting a partner still is through your friend's friends. And the more kinky friends you have, the more likely it is that they're going to, I mean, we get introduced to people all the time through our friends, you know, so go out, get involved in your community, go out to local groups, go to munches, you know, and start, start, becoming a part of that community and getting to know people and making friends. And if you can't do that, or if you want an addition to that, you can also look online. I actually have a, uh, a webinar that I do. We can link that in the show notes. That's on how to find two kinky dates in two weeks. 
And it's all about how to look for kinky people online and how to find kinky people. So that way you are actually looking for people who are interested in kink versus just whoever you can go out on a date with. Yeah. If, if online dating is something that you're interested in, definitely check that out. It's free. Um, we'll link to it in the, the show notes. And, you know, Cassie covers stuff like uh, what sites to use and who to look for, uh, how to send messages so that people will actually answer you back, how to get people from the computer out to online, all those sorts of things. And we go into it in far greater detail than we ever could, you know, in 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 this blog post or this podcast, because I think that webinar tends to run like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, itself. So, you know, definitely check that out, but you, d- you definitely want to be looking for the right people. I think that's the first and probably biggest part to what you're asking. I think the next thing runs into, even if you're talking to kinky people, how to talk to them about, you know, your kinks and if they'd be interested. Well, the first thing is don't bring it up in your first conversation or at least not in the very beginning of your first conversation. Kinks are something that should kind of be brought up as conversations go along. Get to know people, treat people like people, not just um, a menu item. Don't be like, so I am a dom looking for a sub that likes to be spanked. Are you the sub? Will you agree to these terms? How many like, times a day will you give me blowjobs? Yeah, like- If we're to do this- <laughs> Would you be willing to move in with me and be my full-time slave? I mean, I know this is the third sentence that I'm approaching you for, but that sounds reasonable, right? <laughs> no, don't don't talk to people like that. Uh, get to know people, treat people like you would in any other setting, get to know them, talk to them. And it's cool to kind of ask some kinky questions, especially if you're out at a kink event and being like, oh, have you ever tried that before? And being able to point to something that someone else is doing and start getting a feel for the person. But Talk to the person as a person, get to know that person. And as it sort of naturally comes up, you can start talking about kinks and bringing those things up. And the great thing is, is that if it's a kinky person and you're in a kink setting, talking about kinks is not something that someone's going to very harshly reject you on. The most you're going to get is, that ain't my thing. And I think besides treating people like people, which is is one of the biggest things, the second thing, and because you say that you're new to the lifestyle, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make who are new to kink or to poly is to define a relationship before there's actually even another person there. Like it's one thing to know that you're interested in being a dom and that you'd be looking for a power exchange relationship. That's, you know, that's reasonable. I mean, we all have certain criteria that we're looking for. But on the other hand, you know, being like, I'm looking for this partner and she's going to be this tall and she's going to have this color hair. And after three weeks, she's going to move in with me. And then once she moves in with me, we're going to be in this type of relationship. And every morning she's going to give me a blowjob. And then she's going to do this. And she's not going to just go through this whole list of this whole relationship out in your head. That's not how relationships work. You know, relationships have to meet both people's needs. And if you sit there and, and try and design a relationship and a partner without that person actually there, it's not going to work. You're not going to come across well, and you're not going to find the person that you're looking for. Yeah. What you should have is sort of general guidelines of what you need to have your needs met. Like I need a submissive. I'm looking for someone to be service oriented. They need to be this gender, that gender, whatever. And having sort of more of a general outline of what it is that your needs for a relationship are, but not necessarily the design of how the relationship is completely going to look because that's never going to work out. All right. So uh, this one's from John, age 40 from Minnesota. How much is too much masturbation? I think I may have a problem 
because some days I masturbate six times per day. So I'm going to start in on this one. Here's the thing. There really is not a cap on how much masturbation you can have, right? Like it's not like this is too much masturbation. If you're doing this this many times a day, you're in the wrong. It's not necessarily any particular number is a cap. That being said, what's really important to think about is two things. Is one, is it healthy for you? And two, is it impacting other people and relationships that you have? Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think the question really boils down to, is it negatively impacting your life, like your daily activities, your relationships, anything along those lines? Because there is no uh, too many times now, six times per day, maybe getting to a point where it is negatively affecting those things. You know, you're running late to work, you're not doing any hobbies, you, you know, um, maybe you're having problems with your, you know, any, somebody you're dating and stuff, because, you know, sometimes masturbating that much can affect how you have sex with, with other people. It could also be something such as it's impacting your ability to get new relationships. You're spending all this time masturbating and you can't get out of your house because every waking moment that you have left is used masturbating. So if that's the case, then I say, then that's when it's a problem is when you're noticing that it's negatively impacting you. So if you are not able to handle work, jobs, relationships, you need to start questioning as to what's going on there. I mean, I guess the next step from there is trying to figure out how to deal with it. If if you decide that it is a problem. Well, and the only other thing that I would say as far as problem, because I would like to add this in, is if you notice that it's starting to affect you health-wise, because over-masturbation can lead to injury. And I know that sounds funny, but it is true. Like you can start to uh, shave yourself really bad, those sort of things. So if you're starting to harm yourself from masturbating, then it's probably a problem as well. And this tends to happen with people who are vigorously masturbating multiple times a day because they can't get off. And if that's a problem, then you should probably seek out a doctor to figure out why it is you can't have an orgasm. I will say though, that's not incredibly common. And if it is a problem, you'll know it's a problem. It's not like you need to be worried like, oh God, am I, am I hurting myself from masturbating too much? Like you're, you're going to know it if you are. Well, what I'm saying is if you're noticing that you're harming yourself because you're trying so hard to get yourself off, it's time to talk to a doctor. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, if, if this is, uh, if this is something where it's negatively affecting you, period, and you decide that it's negatively affecting you, period, you know, it's, probably time to seek professional help, you know, whether it's a doctor or a sex therapist. I think, you know, a a sex therapist is probably more so going to be helpful for you in this type of situation. Well, and I think that comes from if you realize that this is too much and it's a problem, but you can't stop, then you definitely need to seek out a sex therapist. If you notice that it's something that is too much and you can easily cut off a couple times a day or cut it out, and it's not a problem, then you might not need to seek seek help. But if it's something where you can't control it and it's becoming sort of like an addiction factor, um, you definitely should seek out a sex therapist. Yeah, if you're going to do that, um, you know, we recommend a lot the Kink Aware Professionals Program through the NCSF. You know, go on there, find a sex therapist in your area who is kink aware, uh, you know, because the last thing you need is to be going in there, trying to cut down on this. And the next thing you know, 
they're all up, you know, telling you that your lifestyle's causing you problems and you shouldn't be kinky and this, that, and the other. And, and all these things that can happen when you go to doctors and therapists who aren't, uh, aren't kink aware. So I do recommend, again, we'll post in the show notes at touchflavor.com forward slash zero one zero and go there, you know, go to the kink aware professionals program, find a therapist in your area who is, you know, kink friendly, you know, go see them. They'll most likely be able to help you out. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. I mean, pegging definitely has to go in the title. I'm being serious. I mean, that's, you know, so pegging, what else? I mean, we can do pegging. The problem is a lot of these, a lot of these questions are kind of hard to sum up in a couple of words. I mean, you could do pegging mistresses. I mean, mistress is a good word. Um, Polysaturated. I mean, polysaturated is is okay, and it starts with a P. Polysaturation is good. I wish we could come with another P word. It would have a good ring. Right? That's what I thought. I was like... And polysaturation. Pegging. I wish we could come up with something that starts with a P for this. My girlfriend keeps having sex with my best friends. I mean, you could do pegging, packing, and polysaturation. Or perverts. Pegging, perverts, and polysaturation. I like packing, pegging, and packing better. Pegging, packing, and polysaturation.